We've all heard some great lawyer jokes. Trust us, we've heard them, all of them. But without sounding too adversarial, lawyers are humans too. In fact, that's the main theme of this podcast. Welcome to The Human Lawyer, the time and place where we have conversations with lawyers focusing on the intersection of the existential and the practical. Meet Jenny DeVore, a mom of three and the head of legal at Inflamatics, a biotech research company reimagining diagnostics by reading the immune system. A quick survey of her social media suggests that either her favorite or her family's favorite pastime is America's pastime, and in particular, the San Francisco Giants. It's been a good run for them through the years, and the same is perhaps true for her. Jenny is a frequent presenter on topics related to employment, cybersecurity, and contract negotiation, among others. She's been a solo practitioner and a lawyer at some of the Bay Area's most emergent technology companies. Jenny's formative years in education were spent in California at UC Berkeley in Santa Clara, though she loves to travel. At least the internet tells us so. Today, we learn about the art of ascension for an in-house lawyer uh, with a young family. Uh, we also may learn about discovering your voice and the impact of sharing it. Maybe even we'll discuss what it's like to go in-house to owning your own law firm and then back in-house. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Welcome to the Human Lawyer Podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor to get to talk to you this morning. Yeah, I don't know how I found you. Probably, probably just LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for saying yes to someone you don't know. Um, but perhaps we'll get to know each other better now. Um, yeah. No, I've enjoyed some of your other interviews, and this this should be fun. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, I think. I, I almost put this in your bio and then I, or the intro and I was like, I can't do this. It's just too inflammatory, but like, uh, like that your space and like Elizabeth Holmes, uh, like, how, uh, how does it compare and <laughs> what are the, the concerns? I think it, it raises quite a lot of concerns for the business space generally for diagnostics and particularly it's unfortunate, um, it's a little bit of a, a cloud, but also an opportunity to, to have the public eye in a space that maybe didn't exist before. The combination between COVID and Theranos um, really brought the, the magnifying glass down on the diagnostic space. Yeah. Um, so. Like marketing people would say any publicity is good publicity. So like even if they're, someone's seeing it, but it's like that, uh, or can That's we go the there? <laughs> Lawyers don't like that one. Yeah, yeah. But I do. I do think there's a partnership, and um, I was just giving a, a, or helping co-moderate a session for ACC yesterday on advertising with Mints and an amazing panel. Um, and one of the key takeaways as I was entering ending that session was the thought that. You really want a partnership. You need the holistic experience. Your processes and procedures really need to be in place so that when it comes to reviewing something that might be contentious, that you and your team really start on a basis of knowledge where the regulators might look so that you don't have to really recreate the wheel and you can fine tune those edges and figure out where your business is most comfortable pushing these edges. Some are more risk 
friendly, maybe Theranos was a little bit beyond the edge, right? We can all agree that there were some moments where there was some clear kind of um, decision-making that brought them to where they are today. But um, I, that is the role of the in-house lawyer as often helping guide your business. And if you can teach them and help guide them so that when you have those tough conversations, you're not starting from ground zero. You're starting from an educated, sophisticated space. And it takes time to educate yeah. your team. Teach them to fish so that when they come to you, they come to you for the real questions, not the, not the knowledge keeper questions, which I think is, that's not the fun stuff. I don't want to yeah. be a knowledge keeper. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is so insightful. It's so relevant to my personal experience, but let's not talk about my personal experience. Um, I don't want to talk about your personal experience, Kevin. <laughs> you don't often get to talk about your personal experience on this podcast. I don't. Uh, uh, so maybe we will, but let me just ask one question then I can talk about knowledge keeping because that that's mm -hmm. the trigger, the, the knowledge. So don't let me forget knowledge keeping. Um, all right. So, but uh, you talk about um, teaching to fish. And one of the things that shows up for you on the internet is like you do you do present like you and you've uh you just shared it with your acc stuff and so perhaps there was some point where you um where you like discovered your voice and you're like yes like I, this is like i've got this to say and this value to deliver and 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 you share it and so i'm curious when that was and then how that's impacted you as you now in the head of legal position Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's so much that, you know, that stereotypical, I found my voice so much as when I was learning and still learning, I notice and I've taught myself to notice my gaps and where I need to fill in some information. And I'm mindful of that as I'm learning and as I get over, or maybe I'm working through something, I I make a point to talk to the industry. I make a point to say, this is an area that I have a question about, or I know I had a question about, and it was hard for me to learn about it. And so I'm going to, I'm going to curate a little story or a CLE, ideally, mm -hmm. so all lawyers can get our CLEs in mm -hmm. on a topic that's hard to find or isn't readily available in a way that I had that experience, right? Yeah. So it's not really finding my voice so much as kind of curating some learning opportunities that I wish had existed. And, and then I get to participate in them, which is the fun part. That's really, that's really cool. And a different perspective, like for, for because from your perspective, it sounds like it's, it's much of, is it, it's as much about gap filling. It's yeah. as much about like perhaps inserting yourself into a conversation that you feel like you there may be a gap, but you also might have something something to contribute. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody has something to contribute. I think mm -hmm. that's where you have to kind of get over that. You don't have to be an expert necessarily. You may have some really interesting or unique experiences or anecdotes that bring color to uh, any kind of information sharing. And I think historically, 
I felt personally that I needed to be an expert in order to participate in a conversation. And I just got over that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know yeah. how I did. Sometimes it's harder. I'll, <laughs> I'll admit there are definitely moments where I feel out of my element and, and that's a constant battle. Yeah. Yeah. I, all right. So to, to accept your invitation, like the knowledge keeping thing that you, mm -hmm. that, that you brought up, you know, it's this, uh, my current experience is my first and what I would characterize as a, like a true tech startup. Um, I think my prior in-house experience is probably very, um, uh, down the middle, uh, kind of, uh, siloed in a way, structured, uh, it, was a, it was a mature organization. So, um, now and, you and get this, to be a little bit more freewheeling. <laughs> yeah. And it's, but it's like, what, what happens is I think the historical line that you think of like what's legal advice and what's business advice is like, we're, we're so far afield on that. Like we're like, and, and, and trying to walk that back, uh, is like, is such a, um, it's, it would be like a structural philosophical shift in some respects, but what I've seen more lately is knowledge keeping inquiries. Like I have just acquired things that I think the business would be better served. Like they, they, like, this is, this is not for me to know. Um, and so I think that is something I have to get better at, um, how to, how to democratize that. Um, mm -hmm. It takes practice and yeah. guidance and and a cultural acceptance right i've been in organizations that really want look to legal for the knowledge keeping the historical or institutional information to just guide the teams in every direction and that's a hard place to be yeah and it definitely didn't resonate with how i like to practice yeah i think the thing that you like the thing that I've sort of been thinking about is ownership. Mm -hmm. Like it, perhaps it may not empower others in a way that they need to be empowered, or perhaps it may not, others may not feel like they own it the way that they do, or they may shift, they may feel like the ownership can always be shifted um, to legal. So, um, but these are, these are just the thoughts of one. It's kind of my, uh, introspective dilemma at this point. No, but keep the thoughts going. I, and I think that's what's really special about your podcast and LinkedIn. It has exploded in this space is that it's really provided an opportunity to expand on conversations that I don't think were happening in our community of lawyers or really generally across a lot of industries is this, this little nugget of information can then find an, an audience or a community that would like to expand on it. And you get a little niche and then, you know, a lot more info sharing back to this knowledge keeping, how much knowledge am I keeping and how much do I want to share with others? Yeah. Interesting. What, what about, I don't want to not talk about this because like you do have a young family mm -hmm. and you, and now you're, you've sort of ascended and now you're responsible for a company's legal department and, um, and as much as you care to share, like how, how do you 
how are you doing it? I guess you kind of say like, how are you balancing it? But then balance is sort of stupid. Like is balance even a thing? Yeah. Uh, There's no balancing. I think just, it, you know, as you can probably imagine, and quite a few of your other guests have mentioned, it's really personal. You have to find what resonates with you personally. And if you want to dig in and lean into your career, then there's only so much time in your day, in your week. And that's how you choose to spend your time. Some mm -hmm. days, some days I have to spend more time at work. And some sometimes I have the luxury to to spend a little bit more time doing other things in my life. Mm. And it's a balance. Yeah. I, I love all the things I've selected to do. <laughs> and sometimes they it's just when it rains, it pours, and I have to make some hard decisions. Um, but it's it's a little bit of a juggle all the time. Yeah. What about um sort of made a, a joking aside about your love for the giants is that do those are those just random pictures that have shown up on the on the internet or are you guys big giants no fan? we are i've been a season ticket holder for over a decade coming in a decade and a half mm -hmm. um and it was like a bucket list item for me i i'm a third generation giants fan um and so it was just always something that i thought would be really neat to do um the park is beautiful. It's even when the Giants are not playing well, it's kind of one of my happy places. Um, yeah. And it's it's an it's a neat opportunity. We only have two tickets, which is really fun before I had kids. And then has been a little challenging <laughs> as my kids were getting a little older. But now that they're they're getting a little older, they're making choices that they don't want to come with me. And so it's it's making it a little bit easier. <laughs> but yeah. there was a time period kind of in the middle where I had to talk to my seat neighbors and get them to, you know, sell me their tickets so that we would have a row of seats for some games. That's perfect. Um, what about, is, is that your, are you any other, uh, are you a fan of any of the other teams, 49ers? Uh, Passively. It's funny. Um, I am the, uh, the youngest of three. Um, my two older brothers and my dad were, are really into sports. They watch a lot of sports. And as a kid, I can't explain why I attached really fondly to baseball, really fondly to the Giants. Um, I think just as a kid, it it resonated. And I'm I'm not innately a sports fanatic. I appreciate that the exercise aspect of engaging in sports, but it's not <laughs> professional sports aren't just you know part of my my pastime. Right. So. That's a long-winded way of saying uh, there's something very special about the Giants and and MLB that's just kind of it, part of my part of my being. But the other sports are they there? They're there. Right. They're there. They're interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, I asked about the 49ers because you you all have stolen the individual that was nearest a Charlotte sports fan's heart, Christian McCaffrey. Um, mm. He's not back where he should be. He's definitely a a Bay Area person, um, yeah. West Coast guy for sure. Um, but then on the topic of baseball, that's also, um, yes, 
interest of shared. Like that's definitely a formative experience for me played in college and I don't really watch baseball as much anymore, but it's interesting when I do, I am reminded that it is, it is to me, it will always be the greatest proxy for life because it moves slow. Um, it has a lot of dependencies. Um, there like choices you see choices play out like in in real time like in in in, a, in like a protracted period of time where you think oh well if they had done this then this and i think some of the other sports are just obviously they're much more fast paced right so with innately just, those those aspects that go with the fast pace choice making yeah right yeah. so you're just not able to like process how those decisions are impacting whereas like in baseball you, you do and you can um so I think that's a pro and con. It's a double-edged sword for baseball. Lots of people think it's too slow for that reason, right? 100%, 100%. Yeah. And I like the unique aspect of each player's role. I think Mm -hmm. if you don't slow down and watch the game, you don't appreciate how special each, each position really is and what their unique task is. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Yeah. What about um, one thing I learned about you in preparing for this is you pretty much, well, you started in-house. Like you've, I you've, did. You've, you've pretty much been in-house except for when you had your own law firm. And so yeah. that was something that was unique to me in the sense that so many people start practicing law and go to in-house because they're like, oh my God, I'm never billing hours again. And then you sort of, chose to fill hours a couple of different times and so I was just curious what it was like when you had your own offer what that experience was like yeah um it wasn't a purposeful thing it was mostly occurred out of happenstance the first time I was part of a riff and I had been doing quite a bit of transactional work and a colleague of mine had done her own thing where she became essentially outside inside um, for a couple companies doing transactional work for them. And that's essentially what I did for a short period of time to test out if that resonated or it felt like the right combination of work for me. It provided quite a lot of um, independence, but that also comes with its elements um, that are less appealing is worrying about when when and how to fill in your your time um and 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 the billing the doing the whole soup to nuts yourself as a solo is a tough road you have to really want it and ultimately i missed i missed the team environment working with a business getting to know a singular company and digging into all the aspects i really yeah. realized was that's where I love to be. Yeah. And what's the, what's the, like the in-office dynamic of um, Inflamatics? Are you fully remote, hybrid? Like what's, what's that like? So the company is hybrid, um, but, and because we have some in facility requirements, we have manufacturing, we have an engineering team that's in person. We also have some lab work that's going on. 
Um, and so there is a contingent that is in the office. I am fully remote um, by negotiation, uh, but I could go into the office, which is yeah. nice. And I do occasionally when needed and when not needed, just to say hi. Yeah. There, it, as much as I am an independent person and I really love the remote aspect, there are members of the company that are the opposite. And sometimes you just have to meet people where they are mm -hmm. to connect. Yeah. And I can get I can get over that. That I <laughs> I firmly believe that everybody should be remote, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. What um did you have background in biotechnology before informatics or in like the pharma or kind of healthcare-ish yeah. space? Yeah. So I in undergrad. Uh, and actually, as a small child, I loved science. I thought biology was so fascinating. And it just really struck a chord early on in my life. And uh, my, one of my undergraduate degrees is in biology. And I honestly didn't know what to do with it because I knew I didn't want to be a scientist because it wasn't really about that. I just enjoyed the process of thinking about science and ultimately found myself at a, a clinical stage biotech company in San, uh, South San Francisco. And I love the work so much. I didn't intend to go to law school. And while I was there, I made the decision, you know, the legal team here does some really cool stuff. Hmm. And the general counsel there at the time really supported me. And we, we figured out so that I could work and go to part-time law school so that I could continue making money. Cause at that time I was an adult and I couldn't just, you know, take some time off to go to law school. I had been married um, a year and we made the, you know, the mutual decision that I would do both, which is a really hard decision. I don't know if you remember law school, yeah. but the torture of that experience of reframing your thinking and trying to educate yourself on how a lawyer does their work while also working had its had its benefits, but also was extremely exhausting. Yeah. So, and they hired me as a lawyer afterwards, Perfect. and I stayed. Yeah. And I, I I I've since found you know some very fulfilling work in house doing supporting life science companies which is, it's, it's where I've, I've found my, my path. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, and we have a shared experience with the law, the part-time law school situation. Definitely. I did yeah. the same. How did, um, how did you end up in part-time law school? Uh, I moved to Charleston to coach college baseball. Uh, uh, That's so, so awesome. So you were, you were stuck back yeah. on the baseball. That I was baseball was like uh I was just an awful student in undergrad like honestly I, what do you like, mean what's an awful student just you know like my freshman year just wouldn't go to class like wouldn't you know like there's a freshman orientation class and I like thought it wasn't for me and then like it's mm. basically like a pass fail and you get your midterms and the coach like looks at your midterms because that's you know yeah, he's, that's part of his job is to make sure that you're treating that seriously as well. And I was like, I got like an unsatisfactory and they're like, he's like, how do you get that? Like, it's the easiest class ever. And I was like, well, I haven't been going. 
So, um, and it's just like, uh, just stuff like that. And so I just had like very, very bad grades until um, basically the end of my junior year. Then I like, the light switch came on and I started to do what I was supposed to do. And so all that is to say it's long-winded. Um, I just remember telling our coach that I was either going to um, coach baseball or I was going to go to law school. And he sort of laughed at me. He's like, there's no way you're going to law school. You won't get in. Um, something like that. And it, it sounds mean, but if we, at the time, like we, uh, we did had, that was the depth of our relationship. Very joking. Um, so uh, went moved to Charleston, coached baseball, and uh, it was in 2008, 2009, sort of the, on the backside of the financial uh, crisis. I think it was 2007, excuse me. And uh, I had this false assumption that my parents would be able to support me. Um, they were, they couldn't. Um, and so I was working a bunch of odd jobs. Uh, I was joking. It's not a joke. It's real life. I was working at a smoothie shop, giving people foot baths um, so I could pay rent. And, uh, so you find so your paycheck wherever they exist. <laughs> right. So stopped coaching, was in grad school, went to law school and just kept working. Uh, because I mm -hmm. needed to, um, you need to pay I, your bills. I, I needed to pay yeah. my bills. I needed to pay my rent. Um, right. And uh, it was tough. Uh, I think you know, but it, I definitely um, gives you a lot of perspective. Yeah. And not yeah. <laughs> I, I think I, I only I always tell this like to people like my teammates. Like, I think I probably just have an unreasonably high pain tolerance. Uh, but it also can be somewhat unhealthy in that it goes to knowledge keeping. Like you need to say, ah, whatever, I'll just like, I'll just do it. Like, and that's, that's, right. not, that's not healthy either. Um, so yeah, it's still something sort of you work through. You understand like how you behave and how you react, try to get better. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so. Also tied to that knowledge keeping and that high pain tolerance and just accepting to do whenever, you know, the need is there is this, this other thing that I've grappled quite a bit with recently is the awareness earlier in my reaction cascade of when, you know, I have an option or I have a choice to respond in a way that's healthy for me. Right. Mm -hmm. He's like, is, and I see these as kind of like the yin and yang on that, that knowledge keeping is also your choice on your thinking about an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, cause if you go into a knowledge keeping aspect, you, you identify it as that and also attach a negative thinking into it that really brings down your experience. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's a combination awareness, kind of an awakening on, yeah. on my professional side is how I've coupled those items historically and how I, I can decouple them as kind of independent and kind of complementary pathways yeah. like, to better improve my own experience. Thank you. Um... All right, maybe the last question. What's next? What's next? I know that's a hard one. Either in life or uh, 
travel, um, yeah. informatics, like what, whatever, wherever you want to go. I think this, it's a moment of reflection. I've come off of um, a big tech GC global summit that got me thinking about what is next in my career, what is next in life. And I'm going to take some time to really think about it. I've engaged with a, a coach and have connected with a few professional communities to really dig in and see what my next five, 10 years will look like. You know, as a as a young attorney, I had created this idea that I wanted to be a general counsel and fought so hard along the way to build the experiences. And now that I'm on the precipice of where I had always targeted to be, it's kind of, you know, it's that that moment where you think, okay, so how how do I grow more from here? What is what is the more, what is the next look like? And yeah. is that what I want in my next phase? Is that more idea really what I want? And that's yeah. what's next for me is yeah. to really hone in on making that next set of goals. Yeah. Gosh, I'm, I'm keen to. Uh, I don't know what follow, they are yet. I, I'm keen. <laughs> I, I would have I followed that uh, introspective uh, conversation that you're having with yourself. So I will be following you. Um, I, um, really appreciate you saying yes and, uh, sharing a little bit about what you've been up to love of the giants season ticket holder. Um, happy to talk baseball with you anytime, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and hopefully we can stay in touch. We need to recognize that this is possible because of the hard work and support of the well-run media team. They make this easy. And speaking of easy, big thanks to Huga Coworking for access to their studio. And of course, the lawyers who agree to take time out of their busy, busy schedules to be here, even though we're sure they have better things to do. So thanks for saying yes.